This is Philip Meyer, welcoming you to another episode of Talking About Platforms. We present and discuss relevant discoveries from the field of platform research. Hi, I'm Daniel Trebucchi. In every episode, we have a guest sharing with us one of his or her latest papers on platforms to make it accessible for everyone. And with that, let's jump right into the conversation. Welcome to another episode of Talking About Platforms. Today, our guest is uh, Mareike Möllmann. Hi, Mareike. Hi, everyone. Thanks for inviting me. It's such a pleasure. Great to have you. Hi. And of course, my regular co-host, Daniel Tabucci. Hi, Daniel. Hi, all. Welcome from my side as well. So, as always, that you are aware with the, who is our, our guest today, let me quickly introduce um, Mareike. Uh, Mareike Möllmann is a assistant professor in the Information and Process Management Group at Bentley University. Prior to that, she held an assistant professor position at the University of Warwick. Uh, Mareike's work focuses, among other topics, on digital platforms, algorithmic management, and the future of work. And it's regularly published in top academic journals like MIS Quarterly, Research Policy, and Harvard Business Review. With this guest, Daniel, what would be your first question? So, Mareike, you don't know this, but our listeners at this point probably know it. We always start with the same question, but so far we have different answers. So we're, we're going on. All the people invited here have something in common. That is talking about platforms. So we all study platforms. We all deal with platforms in, in different ways, but still, that's what we do. And the question is kind of twofold is first of all what's a platform for you you know a definition but even a metaphor whatever whatever you wish to, to share with us and then if you wish to tell us something more about you how you entered in the world of platforms what what brought you to study the world of platforms yes thank you so much first of all again thanks for inviting me it's such a pleasure so great uh, to be here and yeah um let me maybe focus on how I entered the world, the world of platforms, so to say, right? So actually, I um, in my PhD, I focused on sharing economy platforms, right? So I really approached this topic um, with this phenomena of the so-called sharing economy. And um, then from there, um, you know, um, I started researching um, companies such as Blablacar and um, Airbnb and then later Uber. And then, of course, um, you know, that um, sparked my interest in platform research in more general. And then now my major research interests are really trust and reputation on sharing economy platforms and then how individuals are being managed on platforms, like really the future of work on platforms. In my re so the starting point in my research, or the starting point in my research focusing on platforms was really um, this view that platforms are multi-sided marketplaces, right? So there's an intermediary matching demand and supply, and it's really this economics-inspired view. And um, given that I'm based in information systems management research, right? So this is the view most of the researchers I've taken. Um, however, um, 
there's also another view, which is really this view that platforms can also be seen as emerging organizations. Um, and that's, for instance, also this view that we take in the MISQ that we're going to discuss today, right? That platforms are meta organizations that really combine um, on the one hand, market mechanisms, and that on the one hand are these marketplaces with market mechanisms, but on the other hand, they're also emerging organizations or hierarchies. And that really uh, builds on the work by Gulati and Goya. And I really like Goya's work actually, right? So she, she does a really great job in combining these two perspectives, um, markets, you know, platforms as markets, right? These are transaction platforms and then innovation platforms, which is the engineering point of view that platforms um, are tech, technological architectures. Different perspectives, it merged over time. <laughs> Depends a bit on the research project. Yeah, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> you did, you did, thank you. Um, you already mentioned the piece that kind of brought you here today. Um, the title of the piece is Algorithmic Management of Work on Online Labor Platforms when matching meets control. Um, it's written by you, by Professor Salmanson, Professor Hanfridsson, and Professor Gregory, published two, uh, 2021 in MIS Quarterly, one of the top, if not the top, journal in information systems research. So congrats to that. For me, besides the like very interesting theoretical contribution, one thing that really stands out in this piece is the Uber case study. So it's like probably the, in my opinion, richest and, and most comprehensive um, case study of the company that I read and I have a background in mobility. So I really, really enjoyed um, that part. And I think the, the audience will also really enjoy now to learn more about the piece. I like a piece. Uh, yes, thank you so much. So yeah, first of all, you've mentioned my amazing co-authors, right? Um, so they're really wonderful. So thanks, Leo, Ola, and Robert. <laughs> thanks once more. Um, but um, yeah, let me shortly introduce what we did there. And um, you've mentioned the Uber um, case study or the, the context, which is the ride-hailing platform Uber, right? And so we, but let me start with the real world problem. Right. So in the past couple of years, we um, so there have been really these heated discussions um, addressing the question whether Uber drivers should be classified as official employees or independent contractors. Right. And uh, in most jurisdictions around the world, they're actually officially classified as independent contractors rather than employees. And this is, of course, very cost effective for Uber because they do not, um, you know, they, 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 they do not need to pay benefits, for instance. They do not need to pay the drivers in case they're just waiting for customers. So, but that also means that officially Uber cannot compel drivers to show up at a specific place at a specific time. And this lack of control would, of course, then jeopardize the seamless service production, which means that, you know, a customer may, may be waiting for a ride, but they may not be matched to a driver. So the underlying issue here is really how to control crowds, right? And so Uber solves um, this problem by employing algorithmic management. And this is really what we focus on in, in this paper. And... Um, so let me shortly define algorithmic management. 
And I think what is important is that given that we are information systems management researchers, we really take um, a digital technology perspective here, right? So the role of digital technologies um, on platforms is really important to us. So we define algorithmic management as uh, a platform's large scale collection and use of data to develop and improve learning algorithms. And these algorithms then carry out coordination and control functions that have traditionally been performed by managers, right? And they do that in a very or highly automated and data-driven fashion. So, um, okay, so what we saw is that, okay, Uber employs algorithmic management. And what we're really interested then is um, how does algorithmic management in the context of Uber, how does that affect platform work? So we conducted a qualitative study. And um, so we conducted interviews with uh, drivers, but also Uber executives. And um, you know, then we observed drivers and then harvested um, data from forum entries and so on. And then we approached our data um, using grounded theory. Um, but I think what is most important are the findings. So let me shortly summarize the findings in a nutshell. And I've mentioned that earlier when we talked about what are platforms, how to, how to define platforms, right? So on the one hand, IS literature really tends to conceptualize platforms as marketplaces, right? Or multi-sided markets. So on the one hand, Uber is a marketplace and employs algorithmic matching. Right, and our model really uh, reflects this perspective. So Uber uses algorithms and um, input and output data to match the two sides, customers and drivers. Um, then Uber employs search pricing to incentivize drivers, for instance, to serve a certain area. Right? Being matched to work on a marketplace means that drivers experience autonomy. So they can show up whenever they want, right? But then there's also uncertainty because there's no guarantee that they're actually being matched to jobs. You can already tell that there's a tension there. Okay, so on the one hand, Uber is a marketplace, but then we find Uber is much more than a marketplace, right? It needs to assure that drivers show up on time at a certain place and, um, they also want to offer a standardized, high-quality um, service to all of their customers. So in order to do that, they also employ algorithmic control. And the model also that we present in our paper also illustrates that perspective, right? So the algorithm acts like a boss and may penalize drivers in case they do not show up on time, or in case they show undesirable behavior. Uber uses process data, which is really fine-grained behavioral data, to effectively nudge drivers. Um, drivers then feel supervised, and um, yeah, so they are highly controlled. So you can already tell that there's this tension, right? So drivers experience tensions. Um, for instance, they're being autonomous and then supervised at the same time, right? And what we argue here is really that platform work well, algorithmically managed platform work is really located as at this, you know, in this conflicted middle, right, between uh, contractor-like work and employee-like work. 
And of course, um, that's also ethically questionable um, um, how Uber is um, treating the drivers. And we touched up on that um, in, in the paper. I think one last aspect I would like to focus on when it comes to the findings is really workers' responses. So uh, we find that on the one hand, workers show, um, you know, organization-like behavior, like loyalty, but then also market-like behavior, like gaming the system, right? Um, and um, we've actually, um, you know, finding about Uber drivers gaming the system was actually covered on the front page of the the Times in the UK, the print version in the UK. So we got a lot of media coverage there. People thought that was um, very interesting that um, Uber drivers found ways to work around the algorithm. But very important to mention is that, um, you know, it's not like, you know, you can blame the drivers, right? That's just response mechanism to Uber um, employing ethical, questionable management practices. Um, platforms, right? You have to step up, right? You have to share more information with the drivers. Um, you know, um, there has to be much more transparency about the kind of data that is being collected, um, how the data is being stored and how it's being processed. Um, invite feedback from the drivers, right? Involve drivers, involve workers. Build in human contact. Um, a lot of drivers only interact with a machine. They feel like robots, right? They're only interacting with an app. Um, so build in human contact. And so for instance, offer them um, the opportunity to talk to human, um, you know, like a human service support, so to say. And then we also argue um, it's really important that companies build trust and um, make sure that drivers get appropriate benefits and are really proud of working for you, right? Because in the long term, that is also good for the company. So you end up with a win-win situation for workers and um, um, the platform company. So, and I think after the commercial success of, of Uber, represented by super high amounts of venture capital that they were able to attract, many other companies tried to follow their path and wanted to be the Uber for X. I think like most of them probably, that's, that would be my assumption, meant like the business model of making a underutilized resource accessible just in another context. But do you think that they also either like consciously or unconsciously apply these algorithmic management and this is part of this i am the uber for x does it include i really try to steer demand and supply in this like nudging way uh, like is it a is uber while because they did it the way they did it um, really like affecting the whole industry that followed their example oh my that's a good question thank you so i think Definitely, um, you know, we, we see that changed over time, right? So, um, um, but let me take the data and technology perspective or data science technical perspective. Yeah, so I think it's, it also has to do with the fact that the technology um, just becomes more and more sophisticated, right? So they're collecting more and more data um, they have huge data sets, um, and these this data is then fed into the algorithms, right? The algorithms become more accurate and even better. They are constantly patenting 
patenting new um, algorithms. They're constantly trying to improve the app. So of course, if you have more time to work and refine the app, if um, you know, due to novel advances in technologies and um, the real-time processing of data, um, more and more data is being available, right? And that that just enables them to do that in a more efficient way, right? So that really enables algorithmic management. So um, I think it's not only them being the first player in the market doing that and everyone followed. I think we need to think broader about, um, you know, advances in digital technologies really pushing uh, these uh, developments. And, um, but yeah, we see that um, in a lot of other different industries that, um, similar techniques are being employed, right? Even beyond platform context, right? So if you think about an Amazon worker in the warehouse, right? Amazon warehouse worker, right? So they are constantly, their behavior is constantly being tracked. And, um, um, you know, they are managed by, you know, they, they have wristband, wristbands that um, are kind of nudging them to, 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 um, to, I don't know, get something on this side of the shop rather than the other side of the shop, right? Um, if you think about UPS drivers, um, we have this little um, digital device that they constantly use that's tracking their behavior and telling them what to do, right? So um, I think definitely that um, algorithmic management is relevant beyond the platform context. We focus on it in the platform context. And the reason is that oftentimes in platform contexts, platforms have the ability to really trace huge amounts of data automatically because people are logging in with a digital device, while in non-platform context, often this data needs to be collected um, in, in, a, in a different way. But um, through, you know, um, advancing data and technology and the internet connection, right? So Uber is a really great case where um, they can access this real-time data of, you know, how, how fast the driver is driving, um, the location of a driver, um, um, and so on and so on, right? Um, and um, they feed in additional information such as the traffic situation in that very moment and um, demand and supply in a certain um, geographic area in a certain moment. And then they can use that, for instance, um, in order to incentivize drivers to, drive, to, to serve a certain area because they use search pricing, right? So um, I really think that, yes, Uber is one of the major players in this area and they've really um, developed this very sophisticated app but then there's others such as Lyft and so on right and I think really the driving factor here is really digital technologies. That's that's very very interesting while you were talking uh, well you start mentioning the role of data the fact that these companies gather a lot of data and uh, uh, you know when we talk about algorithms there is another topic, even going beyond Uber, but more in general talking about platforms, that is often mentioned even outside the academic world. And there's the impact that all these data may have on, on privacy. And my question is, what's, what's your take on this? What's your opinion on the role that uh, privacy can still play for these companies and the value that they can extract from these data? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is a very good question, right? Um, especially given that um, real-time data about drivers and customers is constantly uh, being collected. So um, I actually focus on that a bit in one of the HBRs I published on how to make sure that algorithmic nudging is more ethical. So um, I think that the GDPR, um, the European um, Data Privacy Regulation, is really sets a good standard there, right? So based on the GDPR, um, companies have to disclose information about what kind of data they collect, how they store it, and how they crunch it. But right? actually what happened is that in 2020, Uber drivers um, 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 tried to sue Uber, tried to sue Uber, like Uber drivers from the UK tried to sue Uber and uh, mentioned, you know, um, that Uber um, actually is not complying with uh, the GDPR because they're not sharing um, detailed information um, with the driver about you know, how their performance affects um, um, them being matched to rights, if I remember correctly. But yes, I definitely think it's super important. Um, I think it's really important to share information about uh, the data being collected and how the data is being used. And um, yeah, so I think companies can do much more. And in that HBR, it actually also referred to, um, to counterfactual um, explanations, which is a rather easy way um, or non-technical way to explain how an algorithm may work, right? So what Uber could do, I argue there, is that they could provide very detailed information about if all variables are held constant, but one variable is changed, how that may affect the outcome such as if all other variables are held constant, if an Uber driver's rating would, uh, you know, would increase from 4.2 to 4.9, for instance, how would that affect them being matched to rights? Um, would that mean that, they, um, that they'd have to, you know, have less waiting times uh, when waiting at the airport, right? So Uber drivers are waiting in queues on, at the airport, waiting for customers. Some of them wait longer, some of them wait less long, right? It's not transparent at all how Uber is matching drivers to passengers. And by really providing them with detailed information about um, how, for instance, the change in the rating or the acceptance rate, um, and so on and so on um, 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 may change um, um, the ability of being matched to jobs. Um, that would be, I think, you know, I, I think that would be a really good way forward. And so that would allow drivers to get a much better understanding of the underlying logic of the algorithms managing them. Uh, when I was in, uh, in, in California for the last time, I had the opportunity to compare Uber and Lyft. Uh, which is not possible here in Berlin where I'm located, but I compare, can compare Uber to, to other providers. Um, and in California, the Lyft or the, the people that were driving for Lyft are obviously very similar people that are also driving for Uber. And um, one driver told me that he highly prefers Lyft because he said Lyft is the more, like the fa more fair, they're more ethical, they're treating the drivers better without specifying how exactly. Uh, but he also said that Uber's just always available. So um, if you want to really offer a ride right now, can like that at that time, 
early 2019. Um, it, it could be the case that on Lyft you had to wait for 10, 15 minutes to, to get, a drop, get a ride. And on Uber, it was like immediately there. So they like tried, that, that's how it felt. Lyft tried, at least in the communication. I don't know how it was like really in their, in their process and their mechanisms and their technology to position themselves as more fair, more like caring. Do you think in the, in the future when it comes to competition, potential competition for, for Uber, it can be a competitive advantage for companies to really apply these like win-win nudging and uh, really be trans being transparent, uh, being caring, uh, really like applying what you, what you mentioned in your um, Harvard Business Review article, following your, um, your advice. Is it, can it be that strong that, that the companies really come in the position to differentiate themselves and then maybe also like bring Uber in a, in a kind of position to, that they have to follow? So what, what's, your, what's your take on that? How, how strong can this effect be? That's a very good question. Uh, thank you. And yes, um, that's a great observation, right? So we mentioned that also in our paper, when we talk about market-based behavior, market-like behavior, we refer to switching, driver switching uh, between different ride-hailing platforms. So here's the thing. Definitely, Drivers like to be treated well. Definitely, drivers like to get more money for a ride, um, and they would prefer that ride-hailing platform, obviously, right? But it's more complex. As you've mentioned, it's also about access to rides. So um, as we know, you cannot look at one single factor. Um, that would be emitted variable bias, but you need to um, understand several factors and how they affect a certain outcome, right? So you also need to think about you know, context conditions. I think if all these variables are exactly the same, if um, you would have right-handling platform A and right-handling platform B, and they would, um, you know, have the, you, they would match the drivers to the same, amount of rides, they would make exactly, um, you know, everything would be exactly the same, except that one of them pays them more. It's more ethical, um, you know, builds in human contacts and communicates with them and makes them feel good. Obviously, that's the company they want to work for, right? Um, I don't need to back that up with empirical data. It's like so obvious. But um, you have a good point there, right? So, um, um, it's more complex because Uber um, matches, um, you know, allows, allows individuals uh, to, to work, right? Matches them to, to rights. That's also a good thing. And um, um, yeah, so if, if, if you as a driver then open the Lyft app and there are no jobs, but then there are jobs um, when once you open the Uber app, obviously you ride for Uber as well, right? That, but that does not mean that all these other aspects like good work conditions, you know, treat drivers ethically, um, you know, be transparent about the data that you collect and that you store and that you crunch, Obviously, that's still important. And we're not only talking about ethics here. We're also talking about regulational contexts. Like in the European Union, companies have to provide this information, right, under the GDPR. Um, so, um, so I think, yes, I'm, I'm saying, we, you know, these platforms need to be more ethical, but in certain jurisdictions, they actually have to do it, right? It's the right of the workers that um, they are um, 
exposed to this information um, about the algorithms? That's a very good question. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the very good answer. Uh, you you mentioned the European Union and uh, two of your uh, colleagues, uh, professors from the US that we had on the podcast, set very high hopes in the like regulating power of the of the EU. We we briefly talked about like the role of competition and like bringing in this ethical behavior as a competitor and differentiate yourself uh, against it. That in itself. As you explained, this is really hard as a differentiating factor. I also thought about uh, like a grassroots movement. And I think there's also some interesting work published about that, how Uber drivers, and you mentioned it also in your piece, how Uber drivers try to kind of build communities and uh, represent their uh, demands. But this seems to be also limited. Um, so in your opinion, what, what are what potential next steps for, for regulators to to take um, beyond maybe what's asked for in, in GDPR? Or is, or is this, in your opinion, enough if it's like just executed well? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was based in, in the UK for a couple of years, right? In, in my previous job, I lived in London. And I think London is an interesting example when it comes to Uber, right? So, um, so what happened is that at a certain point, the TfL um, withdraw um, or was threatening to withdraw this license from Uber, right? And um, by doing so, they really pressured them to, um, to commit to treating um, drivers much better, right? So, um, and now um, um, in the UK, um, Uber, um, um, you know, has this huge campaign and they're arguing um, um, we want to become green in the future, we're treating our, our, our drivers well, right? So um, they're arguing, okay, there will be low emission rights and um, 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 they're trying that most of um, the cars, are, that, that these will be electric cars in the future. So you can definitely say there has been a shift and that they are doing more and more to become a better company. I'm not saying they're there yet, but you know, it's also important to mention that they've become better, right? So, um, and in certain contexts, they're now paying um, jurisdictions, they now have to pay minimum wage, right? Um, so my personal opinion is that um, these are responses to strong regulatory um, measures or threats. Right, for instance, in the UK to withdraw their um, their license. So, um, so I think, and then obviously there's this reputation aspect, right? So there, um, there was a lot of negative press, um, and um, there was really this public pressure of them to change, to treat drivers better. So I think these are the two moving parts, right? So, the, and it's kind of interconnected, the regulators and the customers and the public pressuring and, um, you know, um, all these negative press and suddenly they are um, slowly but steadily implementing measures to respond a bit more to the driver's needs. Um, I think, um, yeah, so that is definitely a development that we see. And I think that um, um, the conclusion is uh, regulators need to push, right? And then we can see that that leads to 
certain outcomes, which is them changing. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. And with this last thought on, on the role of the regulators in, in the next future, you already start working towards our closing question. At the beginning, we asked you, where are you coming from in the world of platforms somehow? And the last thing we'd like to know from you is what do you see in the future of platforms? You already told us something regarding the regulators, but we all know that platforms are literally changing everything, industry after industry, sector after sector. So wild guess, what, what do you see in the future of this interesting world that we are studying? Well, it's hard to tell. I'm really interested in the digital technologies related aspects when it comes to platforms, right? AI, you, you know, huge amounts of data being collected. Um, I really like Zupov's work of Sylvain's capitalism. Um, so I think um, that, um, that we really think about um, how to regulate platforms and maybe using digital technologies such as algorithms to regulate platforms, right? So algorithms are not in, um, uh, regulate content, for instance, that is um, displayed on platforms. So um, I'm doing some research on YouTube now um, and um, algorithmic um, self-regulation of platforms, right? So as I said, I think everything is a double-edged sword. So um, algorithms are not always bad, right? So they can be used for good, right? So technology is not necessarily bad it's you know it can really be used to to make individuals life better to maybe identify fake news on 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 platforms and do that in a highly automated fashion so um, I definitely believe that there's uh, much more research uh, to come really um, focusing in the future focusing on really this role of technologies on platforms it's super important as you just mentioned, when it comes to privacy, transparency, um, um, and um, to really the upside and downsides of algorithms on these platforms, even beyond the work context, right? Um, 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 how individuals work on platforms, but even if you think about other contexts, such as consumers um, um, being exposed to videos on YouTube, for instance. You touched so many very, very interesting topics there. Last question before we close. Uh, if people want to follow your work or maybe even get in contact, what's the best way to, to follow uh, your work and, and learn about what, what you're doing and what, are you up, what you're up to? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn, right? Uh, um, like um, befriend me on LinkedIn and um, I um, share info about um, upcoming talks and papers And um, obviously, you can always drop me an email and reach out. I'm always happy about, um, you know, colleagues and students and um, anyone reaching out to me, right? So, um, yeah, my email is mmöllmann at bentley.eu. <laughs> we, we will link that in the, in the show notes. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, we thank you, Malaika. That was really great, really insightful. I really enjoyed it. Um, I hope you did too. Thank you so much for spending the time and uh, hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, it was such a pleasure. Um, yes, thank you again. Was, um, thanks for your challenging and interesting questions. I loved it.
Thank you for being here with us. Thank you very much. Thanks. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking About Platforms. To support our work, you can rate the episode or leave a comment on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit the follow button so you don't miss out the coming episodes. If you want to look up at the papers we have discussed or other topics we addressed, visit talkingaboutplatforms.com. There you can find the show notes and get in touch with us. Until next time, when we're again talking about platforms.